Hello, this is Marissa Schaefer, and I'm here with Dance Well Podcast, and today I am going to be interviewing Lee Shanfine. Uh, so Lee is a woman of many talents. She is at the same time a dancer, a biomechanist, a lecturer, and teacher, and a researcher. Lee has her master's in science in kinesiology with a specialization in biomechanics from Purdue University. At Purdue, she began performing biomechanical research based in ecological psychology concerning postural control. She studied how we use sensory information to control posture and used dancers as a population of particular interest. After obtaining her master's, Lee moved to New York City, where she continued her work with dancers. So far, she is co-author on one paper published in the Journal of Dance Medicine and Science and has presented her research findings all over the world, both as an independent researcher and as a former research associate with the Harkness Center for Dance Injuries. Currently, Lee is an adjunct professor at Barnard University and is a contributing writer for Dance Informa magazine. Lee also dances with numerous dance companies in New York City and regularly teaches dance classes in and around the city. And today, Lee is here to uh, cover a most important topic for dancers, which is balance. Um, and first, she's going to take us through the different components of balance and the systems that contribute to our ability to maintain an upright position. And then after that, we're going to talk about balance as it pertains to dancers in specific. So, Lee, thanks for joining me and welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. So. An important uh, question to start with, what is balance? I think like as a dancer, I used to think of balance as just being able to hold a static position and like say releve, but I know there's much more to it than that um, and much more than just trying to maintain a single position. So can you kind of delve into that for us? Right. Yeah, well, definitely as a dancer, we think about balance on one leg, maybe, yes, maybe on your toes, <laughs> um, and trying to do something that's rather difficult and aesthetically pleasing at the same time. But balance can refer to any time that you or a system is um, not falling over. Right. Um, so we can think of balance in terms of stability um, and equilibrium. So if we are thinking about equilibrium, we're talking about how a, a system can sort of maintain um, and fluctuate around um, a, a center point that we would perhaps call balance. Um, and it can be the attempt of a system that is in flux to maintain that sense of stasis. Um, so when we're talking about um, humans, mm -hmm. we can talk about how stability, and their stability is resistance to a disruption to their equilibrium. So let's say if you trip, um, instead of falling, if you're able to right yourself, then maybe you know, your systems are functioning properly and you can say that, oh, I have good enough balance that I can correct myself after a perturbation. Mm -hmm. um, and with balance, we can use, uh, we can control our equilibrium to control our posture. Um, so you might have a more stable equilibrium, a more unstable, depending on the, like, the energy of your system. And, and if we're, again, if we're talking about a human body, it can be that your position, your starting position, or it can be how much momentum do you have going into that position, or even just what velocity are you moving at. So even somebody who's walking has a certain amount of balance, right? Mm -hmm. They are maintaining control of their equilibrium. And that basically between each step, they're falling, but then they recover. Right. <laughs> so they, again, it's this sort of cyclical or oscillating thing that they have going on. Um, and it's the same if you're just standing quietly. You're not actually completely still. Right. You're still 
you know, you have some sway in your body and um, you're never completely stationary. There's always that give and take, that flow, that oscillation, and you're kind of cycling around that midpoint. Excellent. Um, so I think you you mentioned like a whole bunch of terminology in there. I'd love to like <laughs> take a step for a second and, and kind of flush out some of the different components that you discussed. So sure. can you talk about some of the things that you mentioned? Like, like what is center of pressure and what is... Um, what is the definition of equilibrium, et cetera? Uh, well, if we are talking about the, you know, equilibrium is basically um, a type of balance mm -hmm. in a system. And it's your attempt of that system to maintain a sense of stasis or stability. Right. So again, it just has to do with having a flux around a center point and keeping your, your average at that point. So yeah. you said flux around a center point. Would that be like our center of gravity? Yeah, so that's kind of a nice segue there because we have a center of mass. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of um, in your body. It's where any forces acting on your body are kind of equal based on gravity. And so center of mass is on Earth is essentially the same as your center of gravity. They're mm -hmm. essentially um, interchangeable in this, in this environment. And so as you sway, that center of mass is moving. Mm -hmm. And when we're standing on the ground, our feet are on the ground. We are pushing on the ground with our weight right. as a force going downwards. And then the ground is pushing back up on us as that equal and opposite force, right? So we don't fall through the earth and the earth doesn't somehow push us up into the air, right? right. So we have our center of mass mm -hmm. and it's projecting downwards with this weight, this body weight. And it's basically, if you're standing there, it's, it's over your feet. It's within what's called your base of support that's created by, if you're standing, mm -hmm. by your feet on the ground. So your base of support is just that perimeter around your feet and in between your feet. And you need to keep your center of mass basically within your center uh, base of support in order to stand there. Otherwise, if it starts to fall outside of that perimeter, then you're gonna to start to fall mm -hmm. and you would have to recover. So again, with this idea of equilibrium, we're oscillating, we're going back, we're swaying, but as long as we sort of keep it within, keep our center of mass within our base of support, then we are maintaining our equilibrium in quiet standing. Excellent, so just to give an example, if I were just to stand in an anatomical neutral, so with my feet about hip width apart and standing straight up and down, my arms by my side, my center of mass is going to be approximately? It's somewhere in your abdomen. It's a little lower in women, a little higher in men. Um, again, having to do with that mass distribution. Um, but in general, it's right there in your, in your, in your tummy. In your tummy. <laughs> <laughs> and you said it changes if we're moving around a little bit. Right, so your center of mass, again, it's where all these things are kind of equal. Mm -hmm. So if you change the shape of your body, you're actually changing where your center of mass is. And in fact, so if you were to like, really bend, like curve forward and bend your body, your center of mass could actually fall outside of your physical body because mm -hmm. it would be sort of in the middle there between your upper and your lower body as you're curved. So you can also think of the center of mass of a system. So let's say we have two dancers partnering each other. Mm -hmm. We can look at the center of mass of them together. And they're, again, they're gonna fall over <laughs> if their collective center of mass doesn't stay within their collective base, base of support. support. Excellent. Yeah. And, and we can talk about that a little bit 
to, I'm going to go down like a small rabbit hole for a second. We can climb back out of it if we want to, but in terms of um, center of mass and, and balancing our forces around that, um, we can look at that in terms of alignment and stress on our body as well, can we not? Absolutely. So we have these external forces, mm-hmm. and in that example, we have the force of the floor pushing back on us. We also have a lot of internal forces, mm-hmm. and these forces are generally created by our muscles pulling on our bones. So if you're standing in such a way where your muscles have to do a lot of extra work, say against gravity, Mm -hmm. then over time that could take some toll. And I think uh, often in dance when we're talking about alignment in terms of dancer health, you're talking about alignment for the performance, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Good alignment so that you can achieve the moves that you want. Right. And then also good alignment so that you prevent injury. Right. And generally when we're talking about alignment, it's going to be more of an overuse injury type of situation because of that repetitive use of internal forces pulling on things in a way that are not necessarily the best for you. Right, right. Um, So going back to this idea of upright stance and dynamic equilibrium. So it's obviously important that we maintain this. Otherwise, we're going to be constantly falling on our faces, which wouldn't be Mm -hmm. so much fun. Um, So I I know our body has many systems to kind of keep this uh, keep this dynamic equilibrium in control, so to speak. So can you kind of unpack those different systems that we use? Totally. Great. So we have what we can think of, as you said, dynamic equilibrium, which mm-hmm. means even when we think we're standing still, we are always in motion. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we don't just start moving one way and keep moving that way and, and you know keel over or we just have to keep moving or whatever it is, is because we have feedback. And we have feedback from our various sensory systems. So anyway, there, the things that contribute to balance and postural control include our musculoskeletal system. Mm-hmm. So your muscles are holding you up, right? right? And your mm-hmm. skeleton is like the scaffolding, scaffolding on which you are being held. Um, so they give you structure. Right. They can move you. Um, we also have um, cortical or neuromuscular. So this has to do with brain inputs from the brain mm-hmm. and from our neuro- neurological system going out to the muscles, so telling them what to do. So if, if you have information about movement, then your body can actually respond to it, and our brain is integrating that movement. So for The brain is integrating those signals. Makes sense. So for example, if I'm in my passe releve and I, my body feels itself coming forward in space, my sensory systems can tell my brain, oop, I'm going forward, and then it can kind of do a feedback loop and tell my muscles, up, oh, pull her back. Yes, exactly. Okay. So you're doing that through reflexes and through um, subconscious response and through conscious decisions. Especially as a dancer, we're making a lot of decisions at the conscious level. And then we have our, what we think of more as our like usual sensory systems, um, vision, our vestibular system and also our proprioceptive or somatosensory systems. Mm-hmm. Those are really giving a lot of information and feedback from our body to our brain and telling us, telling our brains like, okay, here's what's happening. And then our brain says, okay, here's how we want to respond. <laughs> um, so with vision, we're primarily seeing how, we're, how we are with um, the external environment. Right. So if you think about it, as you move, if I'm moving forward, if I'm moving towards you, mm-hmm. you get larger in my field of vision. Right. So you spread out in this like radial circular fashion. Mm-hmm. 
And as I move forward the things to either side of me in my periphery, they move linearly, like past me, mm -hmm. in that straight line past me as I'm moving forward. So vision tells me that I'm moving. Mm -hmm. It tells me in what direction I'm moving and how quickly I'm moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. So how far away I am from something. So you get a lot of information about your environment and you in relation to your environment. And also just by looking at your own body, you also get information about where you are relative to yourself. So there's you in space and you relative to yourself. And also dancers get kind of a unique sensory training because they often train with a mirror, right. which gives you a little extra information about yourself in relation to your, you in relation to yourself, right? right. <laughs> um, let alone others and the rest of the room. Uh, vestibular is also known as your inner ear. It's mm -hmm. these canals in your ear. And basically that's telling you how upright or vertical you are. Um, and then proprioception is um, several, you have several different types of receptors there. It includes touch mm -hmm. or your haptic sense. It includes joint receptors, which actually are not very well understood. Um, it includes uh, sensors in your muscles and in your tendons that um, tell your body how much they're stretching. So for example, if you're standing still and so your feet are flat on the ground and you start to lean forward, mm -hmm. your Achilles and your calf have to start to stretch, right? To let you go into that position. And it might not feel like very much to you, but that's actually giving a lot of information back to your body so that you know, oh, I'm leaning forward. I, how far have I leaned forward and do I need to make any adjustments? Do I need to respond to that? Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of um, internal receptors informing your body where it is. So I'm kind of thinking of like uh, the inner dancer in me, which is like, I just want to have good balance, good balance, good balance. What does that mean? Like, do you have to have all these systems working top notch in order to have quote good balance? What do you think quote good balance? You know, is? you really don't need to have them all working top at their top. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about it, a lot of Think about people who have sensory deficits. Mm -hmm. Someone's blind, somebody has an inner ear problem, somebody has lost a sense of touch because of a neurological disorder, whatever it is, and they can still function quite well. And so all of these sensory systems are really redundant. Mm -hmm. they, uh, they, give re um, they are giving the information about the same thing, right. all about where you are in space. So you have this constant feedback loop, but it's also re redundant feedback. So. Basically, you can use the different sensory systems to help improve the acuity or um, how accurate um, the other ones are. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't need them all to be absolutely awesome to be good at moving or balancing. And as far as like what is good balance, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that is a really lovely question because um, even in the scientific literature, especially um, clinical research, mm -hmm. good balance is often defined as having a really small amount of sway or a really small center of pressure displacement. So your center of pressure is that average place where all of your weight is on the ground. Mm -hmm. And so if you're swaying a lot, that center of pressure is also moving a lot in, in reflection of that. Um, so you see a lot of center of pressure displacement in um, diseased populations, in people of advanced age, because um, they don't have as good sensory feedback mm -hmm. and uh, muscular control. 
But you also see um, not as much as the diseased populations, but you also see more center of pressure displacement in people like dancers who are considered to be balanced experts. Right. Because not only are dancers quite fit, um, but they also literally train to balance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's a conundrum, right? Like, oh, why would dancers have higher center of pressure displacement? Mm -hmm. So we can't just say like, oh, well, good balance is reduced center of pressure displacement when someone is just standing quietly. So if you look more at like basic research and people who are just trying to get at like how, how do we balance and, and what does that even mean, it's probably going to be a more elegant analysis that gives you a, a good answer. Mm -hmm. So for example, some people have looked at the chaotic nature of your center of pressure and what and they have looked at dancers too, as well as other healthy populations and also not as healthy or um, fit populations. And basically what you find is that dancers have a more chaotic signal. So it's more random. Mm -hmm. And that might be a better way of describing balance um, as better or worse, or maybe not better or worse, but like more functional. So if you have a more random behavior in your balance, then you're probably more likely to be able to respond successfully Quickly to a successfully. perturbation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they, they have theorized that dancers actually just have exploratory behaviors in their balance. Mm -hmm. And that way they actually are much more accommodating if a perturbation should occur or if they, you know, just need to be able to react um, in a successful way. So, that's my definition of good balance is can you get a good response out of your decisions about how you're going to balance um so i totally try to avoid though using good or bad right right um and um it's more like that pe different people balance differently mm -hmm. not necessarily better or worse but in a way that is functional for them and by differently just making sure I understand so by differently you mean with a different predisposition to using different sensory systems or with different sway patterns or etc all of the above okay yeah so if your method of balancing well means adapting to um, as you age mm -hmm. losing the acuity of your vision right. so you're gonna adapt to use more of your proprioception then that is successfully adapting and balancing if your adaptation is that you don't have good feeling in the bottom of your feet anymore, mm -hmm. so you kind of have to keep moving so that it's more about the information you get from your joint receptors, let's say, instead of that haptic sense of your feet touching the floor, then that is a successful adaptation. So it just depends on the person and, and what they need to achieve and how they are able to achieve it. Right, so again, we're going back to this like dynamic equilibrium type of thing and right. it's not not the stasis not the static right position great right. um okay so you have as we mentioned have done some research on balance in dancers um and you also looked at what systems they're most reliant on um you mm -hmm. mentioned this a little bit before but can you tell us uh what you found yeah sure so um in terms of this idea of reliance on the different systems so that's like 
if you're going to balance successfully, are you going to be more reliant on vision or proprioception or vestibular? Right. Now, in terms of research, the hardest one to manipulate basically is vestibular because <laughs> to get at your inner ear, usually people do that by putting a contraption on and using magnetic magnets to like disrupt that and that's like just a whole other ball game right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little easy it's very easy to perturb your vision right and check that out you just close your eyes mm -hmm. or give someone a different visual field or you know whatever um although i should say with vestibular you could have somebody like spin around you know put their head on a bat or something and right. spin around right but that's harder. That's a short-lived effect. <laughs> short-lived, and then you have to make sure they don't fall over. Right, then you have safety issues, yeah. right? Um, but that's probably the most fun one. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, perturbing your proprioception, if you're going to do something internal, like joint receptors and stuff, that is also a challenge, right? Mm -hmm. But just, um, especially if we're talking about just quiet stance, there are really easy ways to just manipulate how you're standing on the ground. Mm -hmm. So you could have someone stand on foam or like a, a non-rigid surface or put them on a platform that moves and things like right. that. So that's a little bit easier to get out to in just for standing. So I've done some research that mostly manipulated or perturbed vision. Um, so for example, the um, a study I did had people stand inside of a moving room. So the floor did not move, but the, the walls, so their whole visual field um, was inside of this room that would oscillate back and forth in the forward and backward direction. Mm -hmm. So what it did was it produced this effect called vection. And it's the same thing that you feel when you're sitting in a car and the car next to you starts to move and you, you feel like you're, you're moving, moving, but you're not. <laughs> they are. Yeah. And it's just because there's this um, basically a confusion between what you're seeing and what you're feeling. Right. So this, that reliance on vision is so strong that if something next to you moves, you think you're moving, but you're totally not. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of screwed with people in that way. <laughs> uh, and then another study I did had people um, react to things that they saw on a screen. So they would have to shift their weight according to what they saw and like you know, get a little cursor that represented their center of pressure to like go into a box and like stay in a box or follow a box as it moved around. And so it's kind of like um, accuracy and response between what they're seeing and what they're actually um, doing with their bodies and, and controlling their sway. And that, that again was more visual too or? Yeah, so basically what all of these kind of came out to say is that dancers are very in tune with their vision and mm -hmm. using vision for postural control. They might be more reliant on vision than proprioception. That is basically what my research um, suggested. Although some other people have done somewhat similar research and they, they suggest the opposite. They think dancers are more reliant on proprioception. Um, but one thing that actually most of those studies did was they only looked at the cent central field of vision, so stuff mm -hmm. that's like right in front of you, and I also included peripheral. And the strongest results were with dancers with um, using peripheral vision, and they were very attuned to it, and it made them more sensitive to and aware of other movement, such as in the moving room. Mm -hmm. So I, it could just be, you know, just methodology differences between um, my research and their research, which um, suggests these 
cause, it causes the difference in what we're finding. Mm-hmm. Um, so dancers, I would suggest that dancers are, they might be more visually dominant, but what it comes down to is that they're using vision differently. Right. And also I have done, I did one small study that used beginner adult dancers and then professionals and the beginners had only been dancing for about a year Mm -hmm. and they were already demonstrating some effects in the way that they controlled their center of pressure and and their sway um, that were like the professionals. So it appeared that the beginner sensitivity to visual cues uh, was more like the professionals, but that that also takes time, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's happening already after one year, but they also were more sensitive to some cues than others. So it might be that more salient cues or more useful cues become uh, effective more quickly than others. Um, but the point is that training in dance, it, you have a training effect from right. dancing and it, and whether it's deliberate because we're actually trying to balance all the time or if it's because of our environment and using a mirror and having other dancers around us that we have to um, be extremely aware of right. whether we're trying to stay in line with them or we have to actually leap and somehow meet them at a perfect dif- distance at a perfect time we are extremely aware of visual information and I've always thought, especially after moving to New York City, mm-hmm. that dancers are quite unique in the way that they can navigate a crowd mm-hmm. and the way that they can just interact with people, not run into them, move through them. And I also happen to think because of my research that this is primarily because of the way that they use peripheral vision, vision. and peripheral information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, especially if you're doing something like, say, flowers or snow or something in Nutcracker, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're, yeah. you're going through these lines and someone's whizzing at you in the front and the back, you need to be attuned. Um, but you mentioned before that dancers use vision differently. Can you, mm-hmm. can you tell us what you mean by that? The idea that dancers might, for example, use their peripheral visual information much more effectively mm-hmm. than a non-dancer or that they might have it much more attuned with their proprioceptive information than a non-dancer, that's what I mean by that. So it's not that they're looking at something like, I see that differently. It's the way that it's somehow integrated for use that seems to be a bit different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So you, you're, particular research found that dancers are more heavily reliant on vision for balance. Does that differ from your typical healthy, let's say like non-dancer population? Um, Well, most in my research and then in in other folks' research, dancers tend to be compared with other really healthy people. You you tend to compare them to other athletes because you don't want things like strength and endurance to get in the way of your results and confound them. Mm -hmm. So most of this research is comparing them to other athletic populations, other very healthy people. Mm -hmm. So, um, So yes, I do mean that they use visual information different from other people who also train their bodies. Gotcha. Great. Um, so given that dancers are more reliant on vision for balance based on your, your study, um, would it be fair to assume then that to improve balance, they could work on balancing with their eyes closed or on unstable surfaces, or essentially what I'm getting at is use a different system? Yes. Yep. Um, and that's one that is, I think most people are familiar with that. You've tried to balance with your eyes closed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on, on, on releve one foot. And um, 
and you can feel how much more difficult it is, right? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you're not also still feeling and using that information about just where your body is. Right. Um, but yeah, and it's important for dancers to do that, I think, because especially if you're a performer, especially if you're a performer who does not always perform in the same place, which I think most freelancers and any touring group right. does, right. Um, you have to be able to do the same stuff at a high level in really different environments. And so whether that's in an outdoor stage and people are moving around and trees are swaying, or that's in the theater and you have these bright lights in your eyes, especially from the side. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure we've all been in a situation where like, wow, I feel really, my body feels great, but somehow I'm still falling over. And then you realize, oh, it's all side lighting. Or, right. oh, I'm performing down at Battery Park and the trees are like this all around <laughs> me. And then, you know, so it's, it just, those visual things can really throw you off. Mm -hmm. And that's not really a bad thing. That's just what you're, You've trained yourself to use vision really well. Right. So it, it, it would behoove the dancer to go ahead and try to um, make sure that they can still control their balance really well when mm -hmm. they don't have a nice, ideal visual environment. Absolutely. And so um, another thing that I kind of wanted to tackle, is there is there a particular way that a dancer can tell like let's say what system is is not particularly working up to snuff for like maybe they need to approach the musculoskeletal system and make them themselves stronger as opposed to going to these somatosensory systems and shooting those up yeah i would certainly say that's the kind of thing to go to a specialist for mm -hmm. um physical therapists are obviously amazing with this kind of work and athletic trainers so a good example would be um if you do have an injury, like an ankle sprain or something like that, it does screw up your um, joint sensors. Mm -hmm. And so for something like that, you can't just be like, oh, we're going to make your ligaments strong again because ligaments just don't heal like that. Right. So instead, you make sure that you have muscular strength, right? Mm -hmm. But then you can also train for higher um, proprioception sensitivity and things like that. So then that's when, you know, you're on a ball or you're on a foam and you're on something that perturbs your, perturba uh, <laughs> perturbs your perturbation, <laughs> perturbs your proprioception right. so that you can train for, um, for that situation. So yes, this is something that can certainly be trained. I'm not sure that an individual can, unless they're really perturbing it, they can tell how well they respond if they can be like, oh man, my proprioception is so terrible, but if you, you know, if you balance and you're like, oh, I'm so great on a solid surface, and then I stand on a pillow and I am, I cannot even, place. yeah, right. then obviously that's something that you could train further. Great. Yeah. Um, okay, so Lee, would you mind talking to us a little bit about sway some more and maybe taking us through a few examples of how our body sways and how we can, how that augments if we take away different systems, et cetera? Sure. And first of all, I just want to say that swaying is normal. Right. <laughs> you don't want to necessarily completely obliterate the fact that you sway. No. Because <laughs> like I just said, dancers do tend to have more sway. And mm -hmm. that is seen as a good thing because we're looking at how adaptable we are. So um, if you were to just stand quietly, mm -hmm. let's say, like you mentioned before, you're in an anatomical position, your feet are under your hips, or hip distance apart, um, and you just stand there with your eyes open, and just try to stand quietly and naturally and just see what that feels like. 
And I guarantee you, if you close your eyes, you're going to now notice that you're swaying. Part of that is because um, the sway is really small, so when your eyes are open, you're not getting that much information about it, so it's kind of dampening it, mm -hmm. and um, so you don't feel it as much. The other thing is that when your eyes are closed, you're not getting information to reduce your sway. So you actually are swaying more. So close your eyes, you can feel that you're swaying, and, and you'll notice if your feet are you know, pointing forward, so you're like in parallel position, what direction would you expect most of your sway to be in? Forward and back. Forward and back, mm -hmm. and that's because of our anatomy. The structure, particular of the ankles, the structure of the ankle is, you know, for flexion and extension. So, you know, pointing and flexing, and so all of that motion at the ankle is primarily forward and back. Mm -hmm. If you were to turn out even just a little bit, like 45 degrees, you'll notice that there isn't going to be quite as much forward and back, because now with the directionality of the ankle, it actually wants you to give a little bit more of a side to side or a medial lateral movement. Um, you can also try with your feet very close together. Mm -hmm. and a much smaller base of support. So now you're going to probably feel like you want to sway more, but you'll probably want to stiffen up. And that's actually going to increase your frequency of sway, so you're, you're swaying more quickly but, or more rapidly, but with a smaller displacement. And the, uh, the stiffening up, is that kind of to our body trying to make sure that we don't fall over? Is it a protective yeah. thing? It's a protective thing. Yeah. Think of it as like when you hurt yourself and your muscles tense up to mm -hmm. protect it, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, I don't want to fall over, so I need to, that musculoskeletal response is like activate and protect. Mm. Um, and if you, and so you're, when your feet are right together, you probably feel like you have a little more medial lateral movement. And if you have your feet really far apart, like a second position in parallel, you'll find that virtually all of your movement is forward and backwards because you're really, you really have a lot of actually like lateral or sideways force mm -hmm. um, pushing against your feet and preventing you from swaying from side to side. And then if we look at that base of support too, side to side medial lateral, you have a lot bigger of a base of support, yeah? Yes, As exactly. As front to back. And it's not any bigger front and back. Right. Yeah. So lots of different factors um, that you Go can potentially that. adjust. Right. Yeah. I mean, even if it's like... Um, tandem stance, which is one foot right in front of the other, that's mm -hmm. really difficult for people. Mm -hmm. If you, especially as a dancer, if you turn out, that's a lot easier because now you've really widened your space, space of, support of support to be yeah. the width of that whole foot, mm -hmm. right? So um, again, yeah, if you close your eyes, you're going to feel that sway more. Mm -hmm. And now if we kind of get back to what you were talking about, about training the different systems, closing your eyes is a great way. Also, you can stand on a sweatshirt or stand on a pillow and you know you can go from double leg stance eyes open double leg stance eyes closed that's more challenging right mm -hmm. you could do double leg stance on a pillow double leg stance on a pillow eyes closed mm -hmm. that's harder yes so you can kind of gradually work your way to harder stuff double leg stance on a pillow one foot then not close that your eyes get. like and then if you hold it longer you're going to start to get things like your especially muscular endurance into the picture, which you can also definitely and very much should train that too. Mm -hmm. um, so these are all going to be really beneficial for basically training your body to be able to adapt to different situations and to um, get through it successfully. Excellent. Great. Good example. Um, before we sign off, I kind of wanted to ask, like, is there anything 
that you find yourself telling your dancers over and over again about balance or certain messages that you definitely want to impart upon them? Well, you're going to be able to balance in almost any position. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to dance, it's a little bit weird to think about specifically training for balance because if you just want someone to be able to balance, they're going to figure out a way to do it. Right. But if you want them to be able to do a certain position, that takes a different sort of cueing and adjusting and all that. So it's a little bit weird because somebody can be like successfully balancing and holding a position very well, but you're like, but that's not the position you should be in. So it's a little bit right. <laughs> weird to think just about training balance, but also I guess depending on what kind of dancing you do, you want to be able to train yourself to balance in some weird positions what, to, so that you can like handle whatever choreography that you're given. Mm -hmm. So I think it is, um, it's a good thing also to not think of balance as static. So if you're balancing, you don't want to just hold that position as rigid as possible. Remember that you're, you are a dynamic individual. Mm -hmm. So you have to con throw your breath into it. You don't want to hold your breath mm -mm. at all. You should still have like, if you're balancing on your, I'm assuming we're balancing on our feet. Right. So your <laughs> arms are free to move. Um, so don't just hold your arms in that rigid position. Give them some life. You know, they normally in choreography, they don't just stay one place for very long. Mm -hmm. So maybe ad adapt your balance and change your arms, change your port de bras. Um, if you are balanced, whether you're balancing on your feet or your hands or your back or your tummy, whatever. Mm -hmm. Again, it's all the same idea. And um, a lot of that is actually going to have to do with control in the torso and the pelvis. So having a strong uh, core and having strong muscles that support uh, the hips. So especially like your glutes, like your gluteus medius, mm -hmm. um, having strength there is going to be very, very helpful in maintaining balance, whatever position that you're in. Awesome. Great. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. It was my pleasure. Great for sharing your expertise. Um, and if anyone wants to get in touch with you, they can find you on Facebook. Yes, absolutely. I am there as myself and I'm there. I'm probably on there a little bit too much. So if you shoot me a message, then I will see it and I can get back to you. Excellent. And we'll provide a link as well on the uh, description below. So Thanks again, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. On behalf of Ellie and myself, I, Marissa Schaefer, want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of Dancewell Podcast. Like what you hear? Go to Stitcher, iTunes, or SoundCloud and search Dancewell Podcast and subscribe. You can also view all of our episodes and learn more about this podcast by visiting our website at www.dancewellpodcast.com. We wouldn't be where we are without generous contributions from our listeners. Your contributions help pay for our SoundCloud membership, website fees, upgrades, and our recording technology. If you too would like to make a contribution to DanceWell, please follow the link in the description of this podcast to visit our GoFundMe page. We thank you in advance for your support. And lastly, if you have questions or want to get in touch, email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Bye.